Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and they grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. morning, everybody. I just almost gave the benediction after that prayer. <laughs> I think I'm going to steal uh, Pastor Trevor's line. If I can't preach after that, I ought to go sell vacuum cleaners out, he says. <laughs> it's a joy and a privilege to be with you all. I'm still, I don't know about you, but I'm still a little teary-eyed after that prayer, so excuse me. I'm so sorry. Wow. And can we just thank the, the worship team one more time? Wasn't that awesome? Verona is doing such an amazing... She's somewhere around here. Sometimes I can't see her. She is just doing an amazing job with our worship ministry. So I just wanted to thank her publicly. And so, But anyways, I'm, I'm delighted to, to bring God's word to you all this morning. But before we begin, I just, just a couple comments. I was walking in today and... Uh, Ronnie looks at me from, from afar. He's, he's doing some lawn work. He says, Pastor Jose, I know you're preaching today. Uh, but God bless the work that you're doing this morning. And I, and I said, Ronnie, God bless the work that you're doing this morning. We're all, we're always doing God's work. Sometimes it might look like this. Sometimes it might look more like what Ronnie's doing. Sometimes it looks like greeting. Sometimes it looks, um, in the kids ministry. We're all, we're all different gears grinding together, one body, no one more valuable, more important than the other. I think that's essential to, to know in the life, in the life of a church. But anyways, I uh, just wanted to, wanted to give you a little shout out there, Ronnie. Uh, but before we begin as well, I want to, I just want to take a moment and I want to persuade you. I want to convince you, if you did not come, this Thursday to our fam jam. Now, this is the time that I'm going to try to persuade you to come. So I just want to show a couple pictures. So there's, there's Joy Lee and, and Amy. And so we, we had a wonderful time. There was games. There was worship music for the kids. We had food. I think, I'm going to be honest with you. I think the parents had a better time than the kids. So you don't even have, you don't necessarily have to have little kids to come. If you want to come and just participate, it's a lot of fun. This Thursday, this Thursday, dinner's served, I believe, at 5. Um, if that's wrong, then you just come a little early and chat with me. That's fine. <laughs> no, I believe dinner's served at 5, and then the, the events will start about 6 o'clock. Uh, and so, but we had, we had a wonderful time. And I, if you did not come, I really, really invite you and I encourage you to come this Thursday. The same with our uh, Who Needs God. We're still going every Wednesday for the at least until August 4th. So I want to invite you guys to that as well. So in, if you were here last week, we started a series called Speak Lord. And if you were here, you would have heard Jessica Stafford talking about First Samuel. Uh, and the, the, the life of, of little Samuel when he was just a boy, he was maybe about seven or eight. God called him. He gave him a word when there had not been a word in a really long time. And it's surprising that he gave it to a young boy. He didn't give it to the, to the priest. He gave it to the, the little boy, no, the, the person that no one would expect. And so our, um, our memory verse for this series, and this is an easy one for you guys. We've had some, some pretty long ones, haven't we? I see, see Ken there. He sees nodding his head. Uh, our memory verse is just a, 
First Samuel 3, 9. So if we, can, if we can say that together, I would love to. So on 3, 1, 2, 3. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. I guarantee you, you can memorize that one. Maybe you couldn't memorize the other ones. This one's, this one's nice and short. And so each Sunday, we're, we're really emphasizing on the fact that God can speak to you. He, as a matter of fact, the whole point of, of Jessica's sermon yesterday, uh, on Sunday, was that God is already speaking to you, but are you listening? He's already speaking, but are you listening? And so another theme in this series is that we are trying to emphasize that there's, there's no such thing as a professional faith. Some people think that you have to be a pastor or a, or a learned person, right? Go to seminary to read God's word or, or to share the gospel to evangelize. There's, there's no such thing as professional faith. There's no such thing as professional prayer, right? There's no such thing as professional service. We are all in God's ministry and God speaks to each and every one of us. And so we're encouraging you this series to get deep with the Lord. To pray that verse consistently. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And the challenge was to engage Scripture um, on a weekly basis to engage scriptures using the Word of God speak plan. And if you don't have the version app on your phone or something like that, you can actually get a little bookmark right there in the welcome desk. It has all the, the verses for the entire year that you can, uh, you can go through. Now, I had, uh, I had somebody this week tell me, Pastor Jose, I, I'm gonna be frank with you. <laughs> I just, Hate reading. <laughs> Does anybody relate with that? I just, I just don't like to read. And I said, you're not the only one. You're not the only one. Sometimes sitting down, I mean, we don't, reading is not, I mean, a lot of people still read in our culture, but everything's kind of been moved more digital, right? You know, movies, videos, that kind of media. Reading is a little bit hard sometimes, and, but it's okay. It's okay. You don't have to start seven days a week. If you've never read the Bible, if you haven't done a consistent Bible plan, a consistent journaling plan, you don't have to challenge yourself seven days a week, three times a day. No, no, no. It's always out of a sense of grace. Out of a sense of grace. Maybe you need to start once a week or twice a week and then grow from there. And so that's, uh, that, is basically the recap of our sermon series. And today, today we're going to continue that. And if you were, if you're on the Word of God Speak plan, you're going to notice that each sermon through the rest of July is based on a passage from this prior week. So if you read, if you're on the book of Hebrews right now, then you got to jump start on today's sermon. So, and having said that, would you uh, bow your heads and pray with me as we jump right in? Lord, thank you so much for this morning. I thank you that you, um, that you speak to us, God. You speak to us uh, on a daily basis. And Lord, our prayer this morning is that you would enlighten our ears and our eyes to see and hear, Lord, what you have for us today. Would this be your words and not mine? We ask in the name of Jesus, amen and amen. All righty. From a show of hands, how many outdoorsy mountain climbers and trail people do we have, do we have over here this morning? Let's see, let's see by show of hands. Come on, Gee, I know, I know you're there. <laughs> there we go. Okay, we got, we've got a couple, not too many, not too many. I kind of, my hand's kind of halfway on this one. 
I am and I'm, and I'm not. Giselle's kind of looking at me like, hmm. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I, I certainly love, I love nature. I don't know, however, if you and I can love it as much as this guy over here. <laughs> you guys know where I'm going with this, don't you? Meet Mr. Alex Honnold. The first person who, who became the, he became the first person to scale this like ginormous mountain called El Capitan, El Capitan. It's about 3,000 something feet high, a granite wall known as El Capitan without, he did not use ropes or safety gear. No ropes and no safety gear. Incredible. And, he also did it in like a couple of hours. It was ridiculous. The, the fastest a team of people had ever done it was like in a week. A team of people with gear and all this stuff. And this guy just like Spider-Man just went up the wall in a couple hours. The, the, the scary thing was that the people who were filming, you can, this is a real thing. This is not like photo. I mean, it looks photoshopped because it, it's so, it's so bizarre. Why would anybody do that? It looks Photoshop, but this is a real thing. It's called the, the Free Solo Documentary. If you really want to watch a thriller, you can see it. Uh, but, of course, we know he makes it because they wouldn't have put it out. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it, it, it's funny because we look at pictures like these, right? And as difficult as, as mountain climbing and, uh, can be and as dangerous as it can be, I think... I think a lot of people in our culture relate religion and faith to a mountain. Have, have you ever heard that example? Well, just, you know, religions are all just like a mountain, right? God's at the top of this mountain, and I, here I am, like Alex. I'm just going to kind of crawl my way to the top, cling my way to the top, and hopefully, hopefully I'll get there and I won't fall, right? Hopefully I will get there and I won't fall. They say, just, just keep climbing, Right? Sometimes that's a lot, that's how sometimes faith and, and religion, some people think that religion and our, our faith, Christianity, is just about just keep climbing, just keep climbing by yourself and, and you'll make it one day. Just keep climbing and, and you'll make it. In our December discussion series, Who Needs God, a few weeks back, a, a young man asked me a variation on this, on this very question. He said, what makes your faith not just different, but better than other philosophies and religions out there. In other words, what makes your faith, Christianity, better than everything else? Right? Have you ever heard that question before? I know I have. Have you ever, in the, in the silence of your own heart, asked yourself that question? Because I know, I know I have. What makes this better? What makes Jesus better? What makes Jesus better. You see, for this young man that I was having a conversation with, religion represented, resembled an impossible journey up a mountain, right? A, a daunting task that was impossible for him to reach. What people commonly associate with God, even, even people like us who go, to, who go to church, is an impossible mountain climb with no room for error. No room for error. In other words, there's no grace. No grace. And in case you're wondering, this, I mean, you know, the 21st century today, we're going to read from a, a book, the book of Hebrews. It's 2,000 years old. And guess what? They asked that same question too. What makes Jesus better than everything else? What makes Jesus 
better than everything else. And that's why the title of my, my sermon this morning is, He is better. Period. He is better. And He is better than any, any philosophy, any, any religion, any, any cultural perceptions, any ideology that you might hear out there. You ask, why, why is He better? Right? That's, that's a big question. That, sure, the title of your sermon is He's better. Why is He better? And I'll tell you this. There's no, other, there's no other religion, there's no other faith, no other, no other ideology that makes this very particular claim. And this is, this is the, the, the key of Christianity. This is the key right here. Because our faith is the only one that claims that God made himself known and relatable to us through Jesus. It's the only faith that says, you didn't climb the mountain to God. Actually, God came down the mountain. He knew you couldn't do it. He knew we couldn't do it. He knew that. We're human. We're finite. We're not perfect. We we can't understand an infinite God. He came down to us. And that's the big claim that, that's the big claim of the Bible, that, that, that God came down, the person of Jesus Christ. He died on the cross. It rose again for your, so that you can be forgiven of your sins and restore right relationship with him. It's not the other way around. It's not the other way around. I want to show you that in today's, in today's text. So if you want to open the, your word or on your, on, open your notes on your COH app, it, the, the scripture is going to be on the screen as well. We're going to open to Hebrews 4. We're going to read verses 14 through 16. And it says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith that we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Here's the difference. Yet, he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Amen. So, the the book of Hebrews, before we dive in, I want to talk a little bit of of context. And actually, what we're going to do today is we're going to it, Hebrews is one of those books that you, there's a lot of background and all. We're going to kind of touch base a little bit on the book of Hebrews. We're going to talk about what the author tells us is important about Jesus, what makes him better, and then we're going to apply it to our lives. There's going to be some really practical implications at the end. So, so hang in me, with me there. If you're a big, if you love studying the Bible, you love the knowledge, you love the theology, you're going to love the first part. If you want, if you're here for the practical juice, it's coming, I promise. It's coming. So, before we dive in, just a few important things. Number one, no one knows who wrote this book, okay? Uh, for a lot of the books of the New Testament, we know Paul wrote them, some of the disciples, other disciples wrote them. We, we don't know who wrote this book. Uh, there's some ideas, um, but nobody, nobody really knows, okay? But we do know, we do know this, it's a compelling book, it's very intricate. And we know because of the content of the book, that it was written to Jews 
That's why it's called the Hebrews, the, 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 the ancient name of the Israelite people, the Hebrews. And so it was written to the Jews of that day in the first century. And so both, both in ancient days, right, 2,000 years ago, and now what do Jews think? They, they're wondering about Jesus. They still have the Jesus question. What makes Jesus better? And that was their question. In the, and that's what the question that he's addressing in this book, the author. What makes Jesus better? And so the author of this book goes to, to great lengths to show that Jesus is, he's better than all the traditions that they're following. He's better than, than all the religiosity that they are following. Jesus is better. The book of Hebrews also has some very dire warnings, some pretty scary ones, actually. And we're going to touch base on those towards the end of our talk. What can make this book and others pretty difficult, like I said, is sometimes there's some of those background things that you may not know. And I just wanted to give a quick little advertisement over here. There's this thing called the Bible Project, okay? The Bible Project is an amazing resource by a man named Tim Mackey. He's much smarter than I am, PhD in like Old Testament. He's got a whole team of people and they, they use art to, to kind of depict uh, the, the, the Bible in very interesting ways. And so before you read a book, I ch- go on YouTube, you can put in the book of Hebrews, the Bible project, and it'll give you like an eight minute video synopsis of the book of Hebrews and everything you might want to know. I mean, it's, it's incredible. So I encourage you guys, jot that down. If you don't know the Bible project, every video that they have is remarkable. The Bible project. And so, but let's, let's return to our text. So why is Jesus better? So the first, the first reason that the author gives us here in the book of Hebrews, the first reason is because Jesus made a way to us first, not the other way around. He made a way to us first, not the other way around. Look at verse 14 again. It says, therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the son of God, because of that, because of that, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Here's a neat little tool I want to show you. Whenever you see the word, what's the first word in this text? It says, therefore. Whenever you see a therefore, ask yourself, what is the therefore, therefore, okay? What is the therefore, therefore? It's a neat little thing that you can ask yourself when you're reading the Bible, okay? And so, well, up until this point, Jesus, Jesus, uh, I'm sorry, the, the author says Jesus is better than angels and the visions that you may have received from them. He's better than Moses. He's better than the law. He's better than, than a lot of things, right? Jesus is God in the flesh. That's what he says. Jesus is God in the flesh. But some of you may be wondering, a high priest, what is, what is that? Jesus is our great high priest. What, is, what does he mean by that? Well, a high priest in the Old Testament was, was a mediator, essentially a mediator between God's people and God, right? In the Old Testament before Jesus came, the priest would be that conduit that would receive the word of, of Lord and pass it down to the people he would mediate for them. And so once, once a year, there's this day called the Day of Atonement. The Day of Atonement, the high priest would enter into like the most holy place where God's presence was. And they would actually literally tie like a rope around him with some, with some bells in case he died in the presence of the Lord, in case he had not purified himself, in case he had unrepentance, that he would just die right there in the presence because God is so holy. 
and they would, and he would go in the presence of God and offer a sacrifice that for that, for the whole year for all the people of Israel. Pretty, pretty remarkable stuff. And he would come out alive. They'd jingle. He'd come out alive. Everybody's, whoo, what a relief, <laughs> right? <laughs> what a relief. And so, uh, praise the Lord. So in, in light of this, right, Jesus, the author is saying Jesus is better than your, than your religion, than your idea of who God is, right? So many of us have ideas because he climbed the mountain on your behalf. He went up there to God and he made a way for us. Look at what Paul writes in 1 Timothy 2, 5 and 6. It's going to be there on the screen. He says, for there is one God and one meteor between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus who gave himself as a ransom for all people. In other words, you and I don't have to go through a priest to talk to God. You don't have to come to me and say, Jose, can you, can you read this verse for me and, and write a journal on my behalf? No, you don't have to. You yourself, through faith in Jesus, have direct access to God. This is the whole point of this sermon, this sermon series. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. And it is possible, it is possible that we can have direct communication, direct relationship with God because of this very truth, because of Jesus. Because God came in the flesh as Jesus and died for our sins. And so that's why he says, speak, Lord. And if you're here in church or religion has, has confused you, then this is, this is what makes our faith different from the rest. In fact, the whole Bible is really just one, one big drama, one big drama of the divine human relationship whereby God is restoring his relationship with us. And although we failed, although we failed, he didn't. And we can praise him for that. Amen. And so, number one, he made a way to us first, not the other way around. You got to get that right. He made a way to us first not the other way around. And secondly, Jesus is better than what people commonly think because he knows what it's like to be human. He understood us first, not the other way around. Not the other way around. I've received that question a lot. How, do you, how can we, being human, being finite, can we understand God? You're right, we, we can't. That's why he had to understand us first. Let, read with me um, Hebrews uh, here in uh, 4, verse 15, one more time. He says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. What a remarkable claim. But yet, he did not sin. Yet he did not sin. So, if Jesus, Jose, is really... God in the flesh, like you said. Hmm? Did he really know what it was like to be human? I mean, doesn't the fact that he never sinned show us, right, that he didn't really experience humanity? He cheated. There had to be some way that he cheated, right? He didn't really experience it because he never sinned. Some people would agree with that. Some people try to make that argument, but I think it's because they simply don't understand the passage. But take a look at what C.S. Lewis wrote, an incredible, incredible author. I'm not even going to try to paraphrase him. Uh, 
Look what he says. The, the, the quote's going to be up there. You can read along with me. He says, A silly idea is current that good people do not know what temptation means. This is an obvious lie. Only those who try to resist temptation know how strong it is. After all, you find out the strength of the German army by fighting against it, not by giving in. You find out the strength of a wind by trying to walk against it, not by lying down. A man who gives in to temptation after five minutes simply does not know what it would have been like an hour later. We never find out the strength of the evil impulse inside us until we try to fight it. And Christ, because he was the only man who never yielded to temptation, he is also the only man who knows to the full what temptation really means. Isn't that interesting? Jerry Sullivan leads a a grief share group on our campus. If you don't know who she is or if you've experienced recent loss, I, I, I definitely uh, encourage you to go speak with her. They meet for 13 weeks. They're in break right now, but they're starting up again. Jerry's Warriors <laughs> in August. Uh, but she invited me to, to visit her final class. The first, the, they have 13. I, I went and I visited the last class that they had. And she had, she had come uh, earlier to, uh, you know, maybe like two weeks prior. She had said, Jose, you know, this is, this is a tough group that I've got. Is a, in this particular group, there's been some recent losses, and she and I both actually cried in the office together, praying for them. And, and so when she invites me to, to the grief share group, she, uh, I, I mean, I'm expecting the worst, right? I'm, I'm expecting very solemn, uh, environment. And you know, when I, when I walk in, I notice the way that Jerry was was doing the group. It, it really impacted me. It really did. Because although she told me week one was really tough, by week 13, she had them laughing. <laughs> I'm here, I'm like, these, these, these guys are, are laughing. These guys are having a, a good time. <laughs> There's a, a couple, one of them, that, that really make it fun, right? Because uh, they have some good personalities. But she, she through her experience, because she herself has gone through, if she was able to walk these people, Right, of course, grief is a, a long process. It doesn't just get overcome in 13 weeks. But in the, in the, in the context of this group, she walked them through starting for 13 weeks and by, th- via her experience, through her experience, she was able to get this group to a place where they understood like, yes, they can move forward. But only because she had gone through it herself. Only because she had experienced loss could she actually communicate. Could she relate? Could she encourage? Could she exhort? Could she say, it's going to be better. It's going to get better, I promise. Look at me. And in the very, the very, very same way, because Jesus Christ experienced our pain, he experienced loss. Do you know that Jesus wept? That's the shortest verse in the Bible in John 11. Jesus wept when he lost his dear friend Lazarus. He cried. He was hungry. He had breakfast after he rose. Did you know that? John 21. The first thing he did was have breakfast. That's why I think breakfast is the most important meal of the day. I don't mind. So uh, now, I've, now I've moved from, from loving Don Ramon to loving First Watch out there in Roll Palm. But anyways, that's just, that's just me. <laughs> but anyways, our God intimately knows the human experience. 
There's no other religion that can claim that. There's no other faith that can claim that. That, that God knows your experience. That he, he's able to comfort you because he lived what you lived. He lost what you lost. He even died. And you, if you believe in him, will be raised just like him. Just like him. Uh, I want to, before I move on to my next point, just to kind of emphasize, I want to show you and, and kind of give a quick little advertisement about my new favorite show. I think you guys know what's coming up next. Go ahead, but The Chosen. The Chosen. I don't know if you guys have seen it, but I mean, it is, it is a remarkable show. The point of the show is not to, not to follow the, the, the biblical text, where the Bible says that what, when the Bible says something, they follow it, but they kind of read in between the lines for context and they add humanity. But the point of, the point of I wanted to make today was that watch the show if you haven't seen it because they really bring out the humanity of Jesus. They really show you what it would have been like for Jesus to be human. Because imagine, I mean, we, we're talking about we worship Jesus, we sing to Jesus, we, Jesus is our God. He's our Savior. But when you see in a clear kind of digital media picture like that where they depict Jesus as, as a man who, who hungered, as a man who actually, after doing so many healings, came and was exhausted, was just utterly exhausted. I mean, it's just, it's just remarkable. It puts a whole nother perspective when you read the Bible. I, I highly, highly encourage you to read it. I could say talking about that. For, I, could, I could preach a whole sermon on the joke. <laughs> anyway, we're going to move forward. So, number one, God made a way to us first. That's why Jesus is better, number one. Number two, Jesus is better because he understood our condition first. And so for you guys, for, for those of you that are here for the practical Jews, here's, here's where, here's where the author gets real practical, okay? This is where the author gets practical. How does it change our lives? Why do, why do these truths impact the way that we live? Well, number one, it's because we can approach the God of the universe. Can you imagine that? Believing that you can approach the God of the universe. That's why people out there think that we're insane. Because you and I make the claim that we can approach the God of the universe. That we can actually speak with God. And that he actually wants to speak with us. What a remarkable claim. And not just, not just you know, let us approach God's throne of grace quietly or, you know, ashamedly. No, no, with confidence, it tells us. With confidence. So that we may receive condemnation. So I can, so we can receive an I, and I told you so. I received lots of those at home already. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's a good crowd this morning. Uh, no, so, <laughs> so that we can receive mercy and find grace. Doesn't that just warm your hearts? You know, Paul, Paul says in Romans 8 when he says, there's no condemnation. For those who are in Christ Jesus. And some people, some people like to kind of use this as a license for unholiness, a license for sin. Or they say, I can just approach God's grace, God's throne of grace every, every time. And, you know, I can just live however I want. Kind of a, I'm just working on my testimony kind of attitude. And, that's not at all what, what the author of Scripture is saying. That's not, that's not at all what we're saying. We're saying when you believe in Jesus, you have direct communication, direct access to God. And that is the point. 
So I want to I invite the band to, to come back up as I, as I wrap things up. I heard some, some stomachs grumbling already. I know it's time to go. So, uh, but what practical implications does this carry for us here and today? So first, I want you to know that you can know with certainty that you are saved. You can know with certainty that you are saved. I mean, I, I get that question a lot. Sometimes, you know, how, how do I know if I'm saved? You know you're saved because it's what Jesus did for you. <laughs> and when you believe in him, the Bible says you receive everlasting life. You're endowed with the Holy Spirit and you can walk in newness of life. And that's why he says you can approach with confidence. You can approach with confidence because we can know that we are saved. We don't have to guess if we're going to make it to the top of the mountain. We don't have to guess if we're going to maybe fall off one day. We don't have to guess. We can know with certainty. We can know with confidence. Number two, the author of this book really makes a, a, a really, really poignant claim. And he says, he talks a lot about drifting. And I, and I, I want to ask you something. If you're not approaching God's throne of grace, what are you approaching? Are you drifting away? Are you drifting Away, just like in you know when you go to the beach, you you if you've ever laid down in the water, right? If you ever laid down in the water, you um, and you don't notice kind of where the rip current is taking. You can look up and where'd my beach towel go? Where did everything go? And in and in in many ways, that's exactly what happens to people when you don't approach God's throne of grace. You begin to drift away, even unintentionally. It's not that you just woke up one day and you said. I just want to be as far away from God as I possibly can in the darkest and loneliest place. You didn't, you didn't say that. You just woke up one day and you were there. And I want to, I want to let you know that I've, I've been there too. But all you got to do is look up. And he'll take you back home. I want to ask you, are you drifting away? Are you drifting away? Which brings me to my last point. Don't take Jesus for granted. Don't take the relationship that he is offering you for granted. You have direct access to God through faith in the Lord Jesus. Why aren't you speaking with him on a daily basis or on a weekly basis? Why aren't you telling others? You have direct access. You don't have to wait. You can take ownership of your faith. I'm not responsible for your faith. The people here aren't responsible for your faith. Take ownership. You have direct access to God, just like I do through faith in the Lord Jesus. And like I encouraged you all in the beginning of, of, of the sermon, maybe it, it looks different for everybody. That's why I didn't put something directly here. Maybe, maybe you haven't read scripture, you haven't been praying in a, in a really long time. And I want, and God's inviting you this morning to approach his throne of grace. Maybe for the first time in a long time, he's inviting you. Maybe it, it means you just setting up one day a week. Maybe you're in that season with kids running around and your job is, because of COVID, just all over the place. And you, you have time maybe for a quiet time, one or two times a week. Set it, mark it in your calendar. Mark it in your calendar and set it up. Get the, get the bookmark in the back of the welcome page and it can guide you through some readings. It takes about two minutes to read a chapter of Scripture. Two to three minutes. But do it. Maybe you need to 
do that. Maybe for some of you, you have, and you've been feeling like it's, it's just not feeling the same. Maybe you're, you're journaling this morning, you're like, God's not speaking to me as he was before. Continue, I would encourage you, continue to approach his throne. He is speaking. We don't guide ourselves just by our emotions. He is speaking no matter how we may feel. Ask him. You can ask him and you can and pray that. And so as I, as I pray now, I want to I wanna just invite you, as the band is going to continue in, in worship, I want to invite, as we did during our prayer time, please, the altar is open. If you need to make, if you need to renew your commitment to the Lord, if, if you need to receive the Lord for the first time, we're here, the altar is open. So would you bow your heads with me? Lord Jesus, we, we come before you, Lord, we come before your throne of grace. And we ask you, Lord, by your mighty and precious name, God, we come before you, we lay our lives down. We lay down our hurts, our habits, Lord, our mistakes, our sin. Lord, we know you came down to us, and that's why we can be confident that we know who you are and that you love us. Lord, if there's anybody here that doesn't know you, God, would, would they just open their hearts to you right now and receive you and believe in you? Would you just there in the, the silence of your heart ask him to forgive you of your sins? Maybe you need to recommit a portion of your life to the Lord. Would you just, would you just give it over to the Lord in this moment? Would you say, Lord, I'm, I'm yielding this, I'm laying this down. I'm not taking you for granted anymore. This isn't cheap grace. You died for me. Lord, we ask for a special blessing for our band now as we worship. We ask that you would help us to be the church out there. In the name of Jesus, amen.